Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Hopecast. My name is Danny. This right here is Ty. And in the special seat today, we have the amazing Christine Green. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Hopecast. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, hey, look, like I was trying to find the words to describe you, but you're very, very multi-talented. I've got um, actress, model, TV presenter, yoga instructor, what else? Mm. What else? Dancer. Mm. What What else do you do? Don't you? It's okay. You don't need to be humble. Like you, you do. You do a lot. Just yoga teacher. No, no, you don't. What was a TV show you were on like a couple of months ago? Oh, plug motorcar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can plug it if you want. What was that motorcar? Yeah, motorcar. Motorcar. And what What was that about? It was a It was a car show. Um, it was just like Kiwis in their cars. Yeah. So we just drove around New Zealand and chatted to Kiwis. It was all good. Just kidding. Do you like cars, Ty? Yeah. Do you? What's your favourite car? Uh, don't really have one, but a Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking about cars? Because I'm just easing everyone into the chat. I thought you'd, I thought you'd uh, get involved with that. But never mind. We'll just we'll go straight into it. Everyone seems to be warm. <laughs> All right. So we've got there. Multi-talented. Um, there are a lot of things that we're going to touch on in this in this chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually know Chris. We, we we know each other through mutual friends. But when we got to chatting, like I didn't know. It's funny when you think you know someone, but you just don't know someone, right? So we're going to touch on you having depression at seven years old, mm-hmm. struggles with body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. which I didn't have any idea what it was. I'm going to learn about that. And the day that you wanted to end it all, but what saved you? We're going to touch on that as well. But let's, let's start at the beginning, as, as you do in a story. Um, let's talk about your childhood. My childhood? Yeah. Where, where did you where'd um, you kind of grow up? I was born in Japan, mm-hmm. but uh, we moved here when I was about four. Um, and my dad wasn't really around, so it was just my fobby-ass mum raising me and my brother in New Zealand. Um, yeah, we, I don't know, uh, we had a bit of a... I had a really good childhood, but like home life, I guess for my mum in particular was a little bit rough. So um, we ended up running away from my dad um, when I was six, I think. So we like went into hiding for a little while and um, kind of went through that whole process. And because I was so young, I didn't really understand like what that all meant, like and why my dad wasn't like he wasn't really around that much anyway, but like why he was around even less and like why he'd suddenly been kicked out of our house when we eventually went back and why we were spending Christmas at some random lady's house. But um Why was why why was mum running? Um oh it was just, uh my dad was uh, a bit abusive, I guess. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, my my dad has a, a little bit of a history of um of that kind of behavior. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we just, um, I think some of my dad's friends actually just ended up helping us kind of escape that situation. And I mean, I was still really young and like, there are some things that I remember, but for the most part, it's, you know, like I, I kind of know what happened, but don't really know, you know, the extent mm-hmm. of, you know, of, um, 
of how it went down. But, but yeah, I just remember kind of like running away and then suddenly my dad wasn't really around even more. Um, and I think that's kind of when my depression sort of started because I felt like I was a real daddy's girl and as most girls are, I think. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, and I always wanted to, you know, make my dad proud of me and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I felt like he had abandoned me, um, even though we were the ones that ran away. Um, but yeah, and I think that was kind of what started my, I don't know, my depressive nature. Um, yeah, so I think around like the age of seven, roughly, quite a while ago now, um, was kind of when I, I started, yeah, like just thinking really dark thoughts and like, you know, wanting to run away. And I used to find, like later on, I found like little notes that I'd written to myself about wanting to die and, which is not really normal, I don't think for, you know, like a seven-year-old kid to be saying, and maybe I didn't know the full extent of like what that actually meant, but then I did kind of carry that mentality on through my entire life and, you know, and even up until like very recently, like it's, it kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of just began to develop from there and just kind of got worse and worse as I, as I got older and as more shit happened in life <laughs> as it does. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the start of it all. What, what did being depressed at seven years old look like and feel like for you? Do you remember? I think like it's more in hindsight that I think like that I, you know, was beginning to show signs of depression at that age. Cause I think back then, like I didn't know, I was just mm. a sad kid. And, and I was like, you know, everyone would always be like, I mean, I've got a resting bitch face, so people always tell me to smile anyway. But, you know, teachers and, like, you know, friends, parents and stuff would always be like, oh, like, you know, you should smile more or, like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you, you, why aren't you, you know, happy like all of the other kids? Mm. And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I just thought it was, you know, pretty normal. But I think, yeah, like, in hindsight, when I found all of those, like, notes to myself and, and that's kind of what made me click to think, oh, actually, like, I've had this issue for a little while now. Like, it wasn't just something that started when I was, like, a teenager or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, like, as I got older, um, especially in my, like, mm, I don't know, like, pre-teens and, like, early teens, you know, like, I did, I started obsessing a little bit more around, you know, like, thoughts of suicide. And I used to write a lot of poetry I don't know if that's you know I think a lot of yep. <laughs> a lot of kids do um you'll add that to the list of things yeah. you do yeah yeah no. um and it was always like really dark stuff like to the point where you know like I, I think we did, I did like a poetry uh like assignment at school and mm. the teacher like called in my mom and oh, was wow. just like this is not like this is not okay or normal like the stuff that I was writing how old were you um that would have been like when I was 11 mm. 11 or 12 yeah and um and yeah it was always like you know keep sharp objects away from Chris like wow. yeah it was just and and that was kind of and I just thought it was normal I just thought about like death all the time I would like see something sharp and be like oh I wonder if I could you know hurt myself with that or like how badly I could hurt myself with that or yeah and it just it just progressively got like 
worse and worse. But I think at the time I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anyone about it or I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to because firstly I was like, oh, people are just going to think I'm trying to get attention and, you know, and, or like Chris just, you know, she's just a sad kid. She'll just, you know, say whatever. Um, so I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that person. Like I didn't want to be seeming like I was trying to get attention from people. So I just kind of kept it to myself. And I guess in um, Japanese culture, we don't really talk about this kind of thing, you know, mm. um, like suicide in Japan is, is quite bad. Like, um, and, and I, I do think it does kind of come down to the fact that there isn't this kind of like open line of communication between like family members when it comes to stuff like depression or suicide or anything like that. Um, and so even though I grew up in New Zealand, I still didn't feel like, you know, I could really talk to, talk to my mum or, and also I didn't want to make her sad either, right? By telling her like oh, I was thinking about this stuff. Uh, Chris, can, can we just throw it back to, uh, you're talking about uh, the notes mm. that you used to write as a six year old. Like, first of all, you're obviously like a, a super smart kid to know um, how to write and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't actually believe mm. that kids are capable of that. Can, can you tell us about what kind of notes you were writing? Yeah, so I mean, it was, I used to like write, it was mostly just like, I want to die, I want to die, or like, I don't want to be here anymore, like, you know, I'm going to kill myself, or like, like just, they were kind of like little, just little snippets of, of notes that I'd like hidden around my room, or like written in like weird little places that no one would find them, or, you know, when you're six, you think no one's going to find them, um, but um yeah, so it wasn't like I was writing massive novels to myself or anything, but it was just like writing over and over again, like I want to die. Um, yeah, and I don't, and I mean, when you look at a six-year-old, you don't think that, you know, they're capable of thinking that kind of thing. Because you, mm. you look at a six-year-old and you're like, oh, they're so little and they're mm. sweet. And, you know, I mean, I do. Like when I look at, a, mm. you know, a child at that age, I'm like, you know, what do they know? They're, mm. they're not going through anything. Like being a child is like the best time of your life. Um, but actually, like when I look back, that's when, that's when a lot of, you know, adults, you know, they that's when they're collecting their trauma is when you're a child. And that's exactly what was happening with me, I think. Like, not that, don't get me wrong, I don't feel like I had a really rough time and, and I didn't have a super traumatic childhood, but everything's relative. So in my world, I felt like my world was, you know, shit and I was having a hard time. And that could partly be chemical as well. Um, it's not, you know, I don't try to put blame completely on, you know, my parents or whoever, or, you know, sometimes maybe I just wasn't, you know, strong enough. I didn't have the skills. I didn't, you know, have the people to talk to or, or whatever to, to deal with whatever things I was dealing with. And you don't when you're, when you're six, you don't have a repertoire of like things in your back pocket that you could pull out to kind of try to get you out of things. Um, yeah, but I think as adults, we kind of forget that. Um, and it is weird, like, even for me, like, looking back and I'm like, I actually did that when I was that age. I was like, well, I couldn't even tie my shoelace. Like, you know, what are these thoughts? 
You know when you said you, you wrote the notes, right, mm. and then you had them in your room, did you want them to be found? Like, in subconsciously, were you like, as a six-year-old, were you like, I'm going to hide this, mm. but I want mum or somebody to find these and read them? I think potentially, but yeah. to be honest, I mean, it was such a long time ago, mm. like I can't remember everything from, from back then. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like I think – there were definitely times where I felt like I wanted to ask for help, but I didn't know how. Mm. Um, and I do recall like just random like behaviors or things that I would do, which were, you know, in hindsight, like obviously a cry for help, but it wasn't an outright like, Hey, I'm going to come and talk to you because I feel this kind of way. It was just, you know, my childlike way of trying to, you know, deal mm. with it or figure it out or ask for help in my own way. Yeah. But, yeah, potentially. Um, because you said that uh, also at 11 years old you started, like, getting into poultry and mm. some of it was, or majority of it was dark. Like, what kind of feeling did it give you, like, writing these so I like I love writing and still to this day like I love writing because that was my release. When I was feeling like dark and I was feeling, you know, some kind of way I'd I'd just write it down and you know try to be a little bit creative with it as well. Um some of it was I think the reason why like teachers and things would get concerned was because it, it bl pretty blatantly looked like a, a plan, like a suicide mm. plan. Mm. Um, but you know, I thought I was being hella creative. Mm. Um, but yeah, like writing for me was, was a, a release and I did feel better after I kind of like got my, you know, whatever emotions down on paper. And again, like to this day, you know, like I do feel better if I'm going through something, I'll write a song or something yeah. and yeah. you know, it'll, um, it's just kind of like one of my coping mechanisms, I guess, all the ways that I, I deal with things when I'm feeling like everything's bottling up too much. Yeah. I do want to touch on that a bit more, but um, really quickly before we move on, I want to go back to the Japanese culture because I think that's really important how you said you moved from Japan to New Zealand when you were four years old, right? And mm -hmm. it was just you, your mum and your dad. When and you my moved, brother. I have a and, your brother yeah. and you have a little brother. Yeah. Okay. So when you moved here, like you had no other family. No, no, so my family is super small. Yeah. So both my parents are only children. Wow. Um, okay. I did have a step uncle, but he um, on my Japanese side, but he committed suicide. Um, mm. And yeah, so it's it's literally like yeah, me, my mum, and my brother now like here. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just the four of us when we first moved over, and like my dad had friends and stuff, but we didn't know anyone else. My mum couldn't speak English and. Yeah, we're just... Yeah. There's lots of things I just picked up right there. The uncle committing suicide. How old were you when that happened? That was kind of... That was a bit more recent. Um, so that was... How old am I now? Uh, that was just like maybe like six years ago now. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. How and did I, that make you feel? Fucking shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's my... Because he was my my mum's stepbrother. Like, they weren't super close, but I was quite close with him. Mm. And um, and my brother wasn't because my brother doesn't speak Japanese, whereas I do. Um, so it was kind of – it was a bit messed up. Like, when it happened, they didn't actually tell us. So my grandma and my granddad didn't 
tell us that it had happened. And it wasn't until like two months later, you know, just calling to check up on everyone. Um, my mum had just said, oh, like, you know, how's, his name's Masato, how was he? Um, and my granddad was like, oh, um, you know, told her that, I don't know, I don't know how he said it, basically like told her that um, he'd passed away wow. like two months ago. Wow. <laughs> and like when my mum told me, I was just, I was pissed for mm -hmm. one. I was, I was real angry at my grandma for not telling us. Um, cause then I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't go for the funeral. I couldn't, yeah. you know, I just had no idea. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fucked up. Um, and again, like I, I know that he was kind of, and I felt like the reason why he did it, like in my mind, I mean, I feel like suicide is not like, there's no validity to it. Like, you know, even though when you're in it, you feel like, you know, that's the best option for you. But, you know, from an outsider looking in, when you, when, like I found out his kind of like core reasoning behind it went like in his, that he'd written in his note, um, I was just like, that's so like, you, we could have so overcome that had mm. you like just spoken to someone about it. Mm. Um, but again, like in Japan, yeah. you don't talk about that kind of stuff. And that's why my grandma didn't tell us yeah. because it was like shame on the family. And I'm like, but, but we are the family. Like you, yeah. you don't have any other family to, and you just didn't like, she didn't bother to tell us. It was like, it was, <laughs> it was so yeah. retarded. So that, so you growing up and you couldn't talk to your mum at all about it. Yeah. I think like for me, I'm, I also, I have a really good relationship with my mum. Like I, my mum's amazing. Like everyone that ever meets my mum thinks she's the cutest. Um, and she is, yeah. but, um, yeah, like I, I feel like, and even now, I don't feel like I can talk to her about it. Mostly because for me, I don't want to upset her because I worry about her and, you know, she's got her own things going on in her life mm. that she's dealing with. And so I, I feel bad, like putting that additional like stress on her, like her worrying about her only daughter, mm. um, so it's interesting just listening to you because you literally just said like you know if they told if if, if your uncle told the family mm. you know they would have helped them and then you're like I don't want to tell them because yeah. I don't I know <laughs> it's easier yeah. to say than it to is do. it is yeah. for sure and that's the thing it's like it's easier said than done yeah you know when like when it's happening to you you're like mm. yeah like you know I don't want to burden people with my you know with my things especially not my mum because I know that you know, it's your mum. Like she's gonna, she's obviously gonna like extra worry. Um, but then, yeah, like I guess in Japanese culture too, like it's just not really something. Like you don't, you just kind of keep personal matters to yourself. Like Japanese people in general are very like reserved in sharing their emotions and things like that. Like Japanese people don't hold hands in public. Like you could see a couple that's been married for like 50 years and you've never seen them like mm. touch skin. Like, mm. they, you know, there's no like hand on the knee. Like, you know, there's, it's like very minimal affection, um, especially like publicly. Um, and so, and that kind of like filters down into like, even in a, in a kind of personal setting when you are just with, you know, close people still doesn't really, 
happen that much. Um, and it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird and it's hard. Like my mum didn't hug me for ages. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, and like my mum's super huggy now, <laughs> but like she's super cuddly. But you know, when I was younger, not that she didn't cuddle me, but she was, she used to find it weird that I would like hug my friends. Like, you know, I'd see my friends after school and I'd like give them a hug or whatever. And my mom would always be like, why are you hugging everyone? And I'm like, cause you know, like, these are my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love them, so I'm gonna give them hugs. Like, you know, she's like, you saw them like 10 minutes ago. Like she couldn't grasp the yeah. concept of like why yeah. I would want to give people hugs. I think she gets it now. Like she's been in New Zealand long enough now and she's like super cuddly, but. Yeah, so yeah, she was just, thinking about that, let alone talk about the big D word, eh? Yeah, so like, and like my mum knows, like she knows. Depression guys, that was the big D wow. word I was talking about. Relax. <laughs> Can you not over there, please? Gosh. Um, Mine's out of the gutter. It's all right. I was with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chris, for being <laughs> these, these guys. Yeah. yeah, so, like, my mum knows that, like, I've been, you know, kind of struggling with my depression. And she has, I think she's always kind of known because um, often, you know, like teachers or friends would call my house and be like, hey, like, I think, you know, maybe you need to like check on Chris. Like, she doesn't seem like she's okay. And like, I've had friends just straight up say like, I think Chris has got depression, like, maybe, like you know. And so like my mum kind of like tries really hard to like talk about it, but it's always like in a roundabouts kind of way. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, said, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we can go, you know, you can talk to someone um, at church or something, like maybe get some counselling because, you know, I don't think, I mean, no, it's pretty hard to know how to like deal with it, I think. Um, if like, if you haven't kind of been through it yourself, it is, it is hard to know. Like, unless you're kind of in that kind of environment where, you know, it, it would, I assume it's, it's probably quite difficult for my mum to know what to do or what to say. Um, so, yeah, and like, so she she does know, and and she does notice too, like when I start to kind of spiral down. And I have noticed actually recently, you know, she kind of does pull me aside and, you know, says, look, like I feel like, you know, you're like not as good now as you maybe were just before. And like, she, you know, she does kind of make that effort, but it has taken a long time for us to get there. Can we talk about um, the body dysmorphia? When did that come into into place? Because yeah, okay. I'm sorry, like, excuse my naive, like, I just I had no idea what that meant. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I when you were talking about it and you brought up purging and, and all yeah. that. Okay, so in, like, I don't know why, to, like, like, I don't know why it, or how it really started, but like from a really young age, I've always been really self-conscious. Like, you know, like most kids kind of like run around naked and like, you know, they're all free spirited and young. Whereas I was, I was never really like that. I was always quite shy. If I had to get changed into my togs for swimming at school or something, like I would wait to get into a cubicle. Like I would never change in front of people. I would, you know, I, I didn't used to, <laughs> I always thought I had really fat legs and so I didn't like to wear, you know, I always wanted to wear like shorts over, you know, over my bathing suit or whatever. And that kind of started probably, probably like around like six, 
or seven as well. Oh, really? And I'm not like I don't know why. It yeah. just it just kind of it kind of was. And then it um, it got worse as I got older. It got worse, but it got better. Like it's kind of weird how it um, it got worse. Then it got better, maybe. Um, so when I I was just, I don't know, like I was always kind of sh like shy. Like I'm not a shy person, but I am shy. If I, that doesn't make sense. Being Extroverted, enough. introvert. Yeah, that. So, <laughs> and you know, like I used to dance and stuff, but like I didn't want to do ballet because I didn't want to wear the leotard because then my mm -hmm. legs would be showing. And so, you know, like I, there was random things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think it started to get really bad because I was always like quite small. Mm -hmm. um, like skinny and tall when I was younger, like a bean pole. And, um, but when I, I think when I, it got really bad when I was around 18 and I moved back to Japan. So mm. I moved back to Japan on my own and I lived there for a year and I did put on a little bit of weight, like 10 kilos. Um, and I was just constantly every day being told how fat I was. Wow. By who? People you knew or? Anyone that saw me. Um, what? So <laughs> it's an Asian thing. Like Asian people, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to generalize, but like Asian people are pretty straight up about stuff like this. Mm. And honestly, like when I say every day, like every day someone would be, and it would be like multiple people being like, should you be eating that? Like, oh, uh, like you've kind of put on a lot of weight recently. Um, they're like, oh, your dress is looking really tight these days, like my uniform or whatever. And like every day it was like real constant. Um, because I'm just like, if you, even if you put 10 kgs on, like. Yeah, so it was just like constantly being like told that I was, you know, told that I was fat. And I wasn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, no. but, you know, it was just that constant constantly being told like when you are you know continuously repeating something over and over again you do start to believe it and because it was already sort of an issue um mm. and there were other things I think um when I was younger that happened that um that kind of it all added together to kind of create this snowball effect of my you know my body image getting like worse and worse because um I had like mm, when I was 12, I had a personal trainer because wow. I told my mum that I thought I was fat and, um, or that I was like, that I was getting fat. And, and it's not like, I feel stink saying it because like my, I know that my mum was just trying to be supportive and like, you know, and being like, oh, well, you know, like I'll get your personal trainer or whatever. Cause, um, but really, you know, probably what she should have done has been like, don't be ridiculous. Like your skinny ass. You know, yeah. don't need a trainer. That's all but, you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, probably, but um, but instead, I think she she kind of wanted, you know, to be supportive of whatever I mm. like, you know, of my of of whatever I was feeling. So she was like, okay, well, like I can help you, and then and I would sometimes be like, oh, like don't let me eat junk food, and so every time I like picked something up, my mum would be like, should you be eating that? And I'm like. You know, like I know that she didn't mean harm by it, but I think actually it yeah. did build up. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like that annoying thing eh, when you're on a diet and you're like, don't let me eat anything, and then someone's like, 
Don't eat that. I'm like, shut up, let me eat carbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just it's just started from like you know from a young age, and and not that anyone was trying to be really yeah. you know my mom wasn't trying to be mean about it, but you know it just kind of that's the way it happened. It's just I think it is a lot to do with Japanese culture. Like they have no shame in telling me how fat I am. My grandma yeah. to this day she keeps telling me that I'm too like that I'm large, and like you know if I go over there she'd be, she'll be like. Like your your ass is in the way, <laughs> like your butt's Girl, too big. Nothing wrong with that. I'm like it's all good. I don't mind if I have a fat ass. Nah, but um, you know, like they're still constantly telling me that, like you know, that I'm too big, or they'll be like, oh, you know, when you were um, dancing, you were a lot, you were a lot slimmer back then, and you know, like there's just like yeah, constant yeah. little digs. Yeah. Um, so with body dysmorphia, I think it's um, like it. it it manifests differently, I guess, in everyone. It's just like anything, right? Um, but for me, I know that I'm not fat by any means. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty fit, like, you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, but when I see myself, that's not, like, I don't see slim. I don't, you know, I see, like, I mean, we all have things on our body that we're like, oh, like, you know, oh, that could be you know, worst critic. Yeah. Yeah. Worst critic. But, um, but I think with me, like it's, it's excessive. Like I don't like, if people are like, Oh, like you've got such a nice figure. I'd be like, Oh, what? Like gross. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and like, I don't take compliments. Well, I don't see myself in a good image. Like I always, even though I know that I'm not fat, all I can see is, Oh, like I'm fat or like I'm this or I'm that. And it's weird because I could see someone that's clearly bigger than me in size or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, wow, she's so beautiful. Mm. Like, man, she's got a mean body. But then I look at myself and I'm like, oh, yeah, Chris, you're so gross. Mm. And I'm like, what is <laughs> Like, I know, yeah. I know that it's stupid and I know that it doesn't make any sense, but I, I just can't, I can't help it and I still do it and I know I, know I still do it. And, um, so with that, I guess, um, I, I eat a lot. I also exercise a lot. Um, I used to train like twice a day, you know, two or three hours on a Saturday, do like stupid stair runs on a Sunday. And I would be like, I got really obsessive. Um, and then I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I, randomly decided one day that I would be a good idea to start purging. So vomiting after I eat to kind of help me manage my weight. Um, so, and actually I had done it a little bit when I was like about 12. Sometimes if I was like, Oh, I ate so much, what a fatty, like, you know, I'd go like vomit. How did you learn, how did you learn that at 12 years old? Like, how did you even know that was a thing? Maybe I saw a documentary or something about it. Wow. Um, I can't remember, to be honest. Mm. But um, I was just like, oh, like, I ate too much. I'm going to go vomit. And, I mean, when I was, like, when I was younger, I, I did it a couple of times, but nothing real crazy. But then when I was about 20, how old am I now? I would have been, like, maybe 28. I just kind of started doing it. Yeah, when I felt like I like had eaten way too many snacks because I'm the snack queen, <laughs> and um, I'd be like, "Oh, Chris, gross! You've eaten way too much." 
um, and I'd go to the bathroom and like go vomit. And then that kind of started becoming more and more of a habit. So at first it was like, you know, just every now and then, and then it would be like, you know, maybe like once every couple of days. And then it started becoming like, oh, once a day, like after a big meal, I would do it. And then it got to a point where I was, um, I would excuse myself after every snack, every meal, and I would go and vomit. And it didn't matter where I was. Like I would be sometimes in like a really nice restaurant, like having a meal with my friends and I'd eat my meal and then I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And I got really good at it. Like mm. I knew how to, like I knew how to do it well and quickly and I knew when to do it. So I'd just go to the bathroom, be back within, you know, the time oh. it takes to pee. No one would have a clue. Um, and yeah, it just kind of got to a point where it was, yeah, after every time I ate. And I thought, you know, at the time, I thought that that was a way to like manage my weight. It wasn't. That was like, I was, I actually was probably one of my heaviest, I was probably the heaviest I've ever been when I was purging. Like, wow. Because, okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, I was obviously, and I was like depriving my body of like the nutrients that I actually need. And I would like stuff my face with whatever food I wanted and be like, it's fine. I'm going to eat this because I'm going to purge it later anyway. It's like, but my body then obviously was starting to like store fat um, because it was like, well, we're not going to get to like, yeah. this is not going to be here for long. So we're just going to store it for as long as we can. Um, and it was, yeah, it just, it was so ugly and no one knew. And I was, I was way too embarrassed to ever tell anyone. So can you, uh, I think there's a few things there um, that, that I gathered. Mm -hmm. And I think there's definitely um, your inner critic. Um, we talk a lot about it on the Hope, Hopecast, how you're constantly beating yourself up. And also the, just that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about your upbringing, you talk about your family and the constant um, judgment on, you know, your body, your weight and all that kind of stuff. And for me, like there was also a bit of face mask wearing as well. Um, can you talk to us about kind of like that penny drop moment when you were like, okay, something needs to change here? Yeah. So um, I guess like when my purging was at the worst, uh, I was actually like overseas. I wasn't in New Zealand. Um, and I was in Japan with my dad, actually. Um, he lives um, overseas now, but he got arrested when I was in Japan with him and it like spun me like totally out. I was out the gate with my anxiety and my like depression and I actually randomly just cold turkey stopped purging because because it was like a control thing and I was so like high anxiety, highly like depressed that that was like one thing that I could control that would like, I felt like I need to stop this because I need to do something good for myself. Um, so when that happened and then I, I eventually like came home, my dad was in jail. Um, I just, things started to get really bad and, um, I kind of like, it was the, my depression like was the worst it had ever been. Um, and I had kind of decided that I was 
done. See you later, world. Um, and um, so, yeah, there was there was just like there was one day um, in twenty eighteen, was it? I don't know. Yeah, something like that, where I just kind of I had made the decision. I'd written all my letters, and you know, was say goodbye to everyone, and um, and yeah, I was. Sorry, I don't really talk about this much, so I don't really know how to say it. Um, okay. Yeah, so I was, um, yeah, just one day I was just like, I, I kind of was just done with it and trotted myself off to the beach and I was like, oh, apparently drowning's a really peaceful way to die. So I walked myself into the water and um, I, like I was totally ready. I'd made my decision. Um, but just before I like went into the water, my my mum and my best friend had texted me. And I don't I don't know why it was like kind of random, um, and it just kind of threw me off. I was like real like I'd been thinking about it. I mean, been thinking about it my whole damn life. <laughs> but you know when like as things you know kind of got worse, um, you know like I was like I was totally ready. But then that kind of threw me off, and because of like you know my relationship with my mum and it being really good I like it and that was she's she's probably the only reason I'm still here because because I love my mum and I don't want to like hurt her upset her and so um yeah like I was kind of threw my phone to the side left all my stuff I was like in my clothes in the water and and I just couldn't like I was just kind of standing in the water for like a couple of hours like neck deep just crying and like um and eventually I obviously didn't go ahead with it because here I am. Um, but after that, um, I guess after that happened, I realised that I needed to sort my shit out. Um, and, I mean, obviously it's been an ongoing battle my whole life and I have been on, like, numerous antidepressants and so, and, you know, the exercise and the obsessiveness around, you know, like, keeping myself healthy um, was all part of trying to, you know, to deal with all of my anxiety and my depression, like, my entire life. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like, yeah, that was because I had made several attempts when I was younger, like, to peace out world. But um, I think this time was, it was just, I don't know, there was, it was a bit more, I don't know, could it be more serious? I don't know, but like it felt different this time. Um, and I kind of felt like I was actually starting to impact other people around me as well because of the way that I had been or the way that I was. Um, yeah, so after that incident, I guess, um, I started to make, um, like a, a more conscious effort to kind of sort some stuff out. I went into like critical care and got drugged up a little bit, um, which wasn't the way that I wanted to deal with things. So eventually, slowly, I kind of, it wasn't necessarily like a pin drop moment so much as, well, I guess it was, but um, I just tried to find ways to, to deal with it. And um, I actually started doing yoga randomly. Uh, I used to hate yoga. So boring. Um, and, but then I just, um, I was, I've always tried to find ways, you know, exercising, mm -hmm. like trying to eat 
well and you know doing all the things and then I suddenly started doing yoga and I was like oh they reckon it's good for your mental I should you know just give it a, a good jam and um, I started doing it every day and I started to notice that um, like my mental health was just becoming better somehow I didn't know how I was just like <laughs> you know breathing I don't know deep breathing something something was helping and so I just started doing it more and more and then um and then randomly I was like I'm gonna be a yoga teacher so I've been working in corporate like my whole adult life and it was like real you know high stress environment um and yeah I just decided that I was gonna quit and become a yoga teacher so oh, that's, that's awesome. kind of what I did <laughs> trotted off to India went into my yoga teacher training and um kind of wanted to like I wanted yoga to help me but I also wanted to find like I wanted a way that I could help other people with you know struggles like I had had because I felt like it really helped um like the yoga and the meditation and mm. like intentional breathing and things like that and so yeah that's kind of where I'm at at the moment cool. and that's maintaining everything for you and making yeah, you so feel yeah so now I'm um so I'm not on any medication at the moment um and I'm not I'm not under any illusion that I couldn't slide back into that like as much as I'm like you know I am really man I'm managing well with like with my yoga and my meditation and then like exercising and healthy eating and all that kind of stuff um you know I think anyone that does go through like anxiety and depression like we are always going to be dealing with it um to a certain extent mm -hmm. um that's just my opinion anyway so I'm not on any medication at the moment and I'm like I'm doing all good like happy chappy but um you know not to say that I might not need help later on um but yeah totally maintaining as natural as I can um and it's been really good and I'm just trying to do more, <laughs> teach other people how to like try to manage, you know, their, their things through yoga. Amazing. And, and I think that's the best thing um, that you've, you've come to a place now where you understand just before we wrap up is that you understand now that it's more about how you manage it mm. and that's important for people to understand that so um you know once again thank you for um sharing your story and your journey with us we truly appreciate it and uh we've got a little gift um for you um to show the world um how much hope you are for us Aww. so thank you so much Cute. thanks guys oh i really thank appreciate you. it Cheers. thanks for having me